podcast listeners. If you hear my voice right now, I need you to do something for me. I want you to take out your phone or on your computer, go to Apple Podcasts, search for Ask Your Old Head Podcast. You'll see my, my logo, my little picture, my little image there. Find the show. Please rate and write a review. It's a small thing, but it helps others find this work and find what I'm doing here. And it really, really matters, uh, as small as that may seem. So if you could please do that uh, before we get into the show, I very much appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Let's get into it. Peace. This is the Good Brothers. This is Justice Rod G. And this is uh, Majestic. <laughs> My fault. <laughs> I don't even use that as a blooper start or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> it was like kickboxing and shit like that. Like, nah. <laughs> like, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> All right, let's, let's take them to the top. All right. <laughs> Peace. This is the Good Brothers. I'm uh I'm about to say I'm you. <laughs> and my brother, my brother is me. <laughs> Peace. Okay. Peace. This is the Good Brothers. I'm Justice Raji. I'm Majestic. And um, yeah, we're here again this week. We're just gonna get started. Uh so um as 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 you know, I'm Majestic, and as other people may know, may or not, I don't know. Uh, but I've been moving in the midst of all of this and I guess the the final you know when you really move move you yeah. know I'm in the midst of that um between the last three days uh and so I thought maybe we could do a little recounting a little reflection a little talking about uh place space and uh places we've stayed you know we were um the first three years of us both living not at the place, you know, somebody else, you know, a parent was paying for, we live together. Yeah. So therefore I thought there might be some insights and also at an age that, um, you know, in our early, you know, 19s to 20s, which is not a uh, age that folks always are successful in living on their own, so to speak, at least in the terms of, you know, not getting a giant eviction and other things. But and anyhow, so I thought maybe we could recount on that and then, um, you know, see see what, what could be found there. So to get us moving, to get us going, I uh, wanted to ask a question. Let me get to my question here. We could start with, you know, what's the what's the first place you remember living growing up where you're like, I live, hmm. you know, over there or over here? Or, um, you don't got like... question. No, no, no. I mean, because I, I think one thing I think it's, um, especially right now, uh, I had a conversation with somebody a little earlier, really talking about in the when we get into recovery, where are people going to want to live, and where's going to be home, and what what is that going to represent to people? Mm-hmm. Um, when you know, if you buy into the density argument, it's interesting. I've seen some some articles just around COVID that they just don't buy into the density argument, um, which is which. Seems to make sense, but the only outliers, the, the places that are outliers are interesting in that are Detroit and New Orleans. Neither of whom places yeah. are necessarily dense. Yeah, they're not at all. Especially Detroit. I know Detroit enough. 
Right. Been in New Orleans much, but I... no. In Detroit, in New Orleans, is not dense in its classic sense, right? So yeah. there is those two are outliers in the context of the density argument. But nonetheless, uh, you know, really looking at where people want want to call home and what you know, as we were discussing earlier, like the fear economy. What what will that make people do, right? So I, I have really been thinking about the sense of place and, and sense of home and, you know, there's just a lot of stuff with black folks where we, you know, there's always this sense of, of place and this sense of home that you think about, uh, like even the fundamental term homeboy, right? Like mm-hmm. literally right. being a place that people could say that he's from where I'm from, right? We're homeboys. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I think that's kind of into the cultural DNA uh, of, of us. So for me, the first place I remember living um, was 39 North 63rd Street. Um, family was interesting in that in 1950, my grandmother and grandfather that previously were living in North Philadelphia on Cambridge Street, they bought a duplex, right? Mm-hmm. And so they bought a duplex, lived in the downstairs, well, they, they rented a duplex, then eventually bought the entire duplex, right? So there were basically two, three, two, two bedroom apartments, right? Mm-hmm. And that almost like became a house to us. Yeah. And sometimes I think about like, that's a really unusual place to kind of like get an idea of home. Like, because you got to go through the vestibule to get upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> like up, up, upstairs is not the traditional upstairs that people think. Upstairs is like go outside, lock the door, <laughs> depending on the situation, and then go upstairs, right? right. Like, and, and you, but you share the vestibule, right? With two other, it could be one other family, two other families, depending on the situation. So yeah, so that's that was our, um, that was my first place of knowing as home. Uh, my mother had my mother was living in the kind of upstairs um part of the duplex until like i think 80 81 and then she moved um then we moved to 235 North Hobart Street so it, it and it was interesting cuz it was only one other family on the block that actually owned both parts of the duplex and mm-hmm. we were actually really close with them cuz their family came to the block really early right right? so but that was um that was first and i you know i have i have thought about that how the the space that you first inhabit starts to frame starts to frame also what you think of as normal but that's what it was for me what about you yeah for me was 210 Wittlesey road trenton new jersey up the street from the Catawater park Uh, i used to see that i used to see that on uh Oh, commercials, <laughs> which is not spelled any way like the way I say. It. <laughs> Just in case you try to phonetically figure out what the hell that park is, I think it's like a Calder Water. I think it don't. Yeah, it's, it's Calder Water Park, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. But it it don't read that way when you look at it. Yeah, for sure, actual fact. And um, and that's I mean that I guess as I was informed, is actually I think the third place we lived as a, as a you know a family a unit or whatever. But it's the first place I remember living. And, you know, between, and then I was thinking about this, 
when I pose these, drew up some of these questions, like about living, because a part of the, the the concept of living is sort of like where you're at, like where you spend time, where your family gathers, you know, whatever your normal rhythm was. So for me, like that was the the house I remember living in in terms of like going to sleep, which was a was a you know was a solid block of uh, brick row houses, uh, three bedrooms. And it had like a garage, like an alley with a garage underneath in the back. And that's where they had the giant. All I remember is doing you go downstairs, sometimes the giant water bugs would would come out and it would it was not pleasant. And you know, I was like, ah, you know, like yeah. the joints with the black I know shiny I backs. Be, yeah. <laughs> Definitely crush them, yeah. shit come out of them. Yeah. I know. Yeah, right. joints, and um, but between there and my my grandfather played stayed you know not maybe a mile i guess i think a mile or so away on the other side of Catawater park uh at bruce park drive now and, i remember going to his house yeah yeah because we went you came with me to his house a couple times and so yeah. most of my uh real young childhood was between Willisie Road, his house, and my aunt's house, who she lived, I can't remember, it's off of Stuyvesant, but I always forget the street, but it was across from, um, directly across from Mercer County Hospital, which was where I was born. Uh, so it was like a triangle, you know what I'm saying? If we was anywhere, we was one of them three places. Right, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, at all times. And then, you know, for a time in there also, my aunt, um, my other aunt, my, my uncle's first children's mother, my Aunt Debbie. Um, her house uh, but the those other you know really my grandmother so that's the the frame of reference in my mind of like where you started life and the odd thing was my grandfather's house like the exact same house as the house on the road so to me that's what all houses <laughs> was like you right know like houses was like that and then apartments was like my aunt's and her joint was like um it was the, it was a three-story building there was an apartment on the first floor and her apartment was the second floor, and like then there was like one room in the attic. And that's where my, my it was my cousin's room, and that so like it was still sort of a row house structure, but it was on the second floor. So in so, my mind, this is how all houses was. Right, right. And so yeah, I wanted just want to ask you about that. Just one small thing about that idea of proximity, because um you make a very interesting point around you. You remember living here. Your grandfather lived over here. Your aunt lived over here. So it's a triangle. And that triangle, I would estimate, wasn't more than a two-mile triangle. No, no. Right? Like, and, um, yeah, probably two miles. Right, between them all, right? But it was, a, you know, and um, very similarly, where my grandmother lived, where my mother moved, and then where we moved later, still was no more than a mile, mile and a half. The first one was probably five, six blocks. And the second one was no more than a mile, you know? So it's interesting when you think about families of that time and dealing with proximity, mm. right? And like the strength of proximity and then the familiarity that then breeds a, a place because you have this triangle or this, you know, this where does someone live? Well, this person live over here. And then I had an aunt that lived between where my grandmother lived and where we went to live later. And then I had another great aunt who lived between two more houses. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Um, so I think that's a really interesting thing that I do question young people of today. I mean, I'm sure there's, there's a lot of young people who have this exact same situation, but a lot of times when you move outside of the place where you have a lot of family, quote unquote, physical family, this idea of the proximity of homes and then how you learn to navigate space based on proximity of homes. But yeah. Well, the, you know, and I would say what, what definitely changed is when, so after, like I said, when we moved from Trenton after my father died and moved in, you know, moved to Willingboro, the, you know, it was like we was in that triangle and then we jumped 23 miles <laughs> down, you know, down the river, so to speak. Um, so even though we would be, you know, pretty fairly frequently, you know, over every other weekend, uh, back and even, I was, you know, going to school still in Trenton for a while, like over time, that distance, you know, wasn't, it didn't get any further in actual space. It got further, you know what I mean? As we got older, you know what I mean? Cause you get more into the loop of where you're at every day. And, you know, when you live six, seven minutes, 10 minutes from, from somebody, it's not a big deal to be like, oh, we're going to pop over to pops. Oh, okay. I'll get my coat. You know what I mean? Get your, you know, your mom, get your jacket. We're going over to you, to your grandma. Like, oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? But when you, you know, you 25 minutes away, everybody takes a takes a breath before they say, we're going to pop over to anywhere. Right, <laughs> you know, right, well, right. Like, hmm, do I really want to drive across, you know, over there? You know, or or if, if you got to travel by other means, transit and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, do I really want to go wait for this bus and do this and do that? It's like, eh, nah, I'm good. We're going to go on Sunday. <laughs> like, we come through on Saturday. You know what I'm saying? Uh, afternoon, we're going to go over there. We're not going to do that um, this weekend. And um, or, So where I started with that was just thinking about sort of how, you know, your, your early, the spaces you remember growing up sort of shapes your expectations. And, and, and what you think is, you know, where, you know, kind of how you perceive where you fit. You know what I mean? It's like um, I always remember the last place I stayed, you know, crib I had in, in Pittsburgh and where I left, you know, it was a two-bedroom apartment. It wasn't super big or nothing. But when a couple folks came down uh, from Mecca and they, I think we were, we were having a family day or something, I can't remember who travel with me to get some stuff from our apartment. And she was like, wow, this is a, this is a big apartment. Like, this is gigantic. And for those that don't know, Mecca is, is, is Harlem. Um, right. And, you know what I'm saying? But the general idea, like, someone from a place like New York where, you know, space is smaller. You know, this not really big in the grand scheme of things. Apartment seems like a, you know, like, wow, like, y'all got lots of room. You got a hallway. There's a bathroom down there. And, you got space for washing. I mean, I mean, so like your your proximity and your expectations um, are different. You know what I mean? And you know, I didn't live on the you know, Center Avenue. I ain't live in the, uh, the the upper reaches of the Pinkies Outlands. You know what I'm saying of Pittsburgh. But um, the uh, so with that, I wanted to you know, River do what's something that you you know, sort of recall about, you know what I mean, your your neighborhood or place you live, especially like under 18, like eight, 10 years old. Yeah. Anything that like stood out? Um, you know, what's interesting. And, and I think not every, in some senses, American architecture is like this in the structure of American cities is you remember the sameness, 
right? So regardless, sometimes if you live in the suburbs or you live in the city, there's a sameness that uh, that happens, right? And mm-hmm. so for me, between eight and ten, between five and then thirteen, we lived on um, two thirty five North Hobart Street, um, about four blocks down, four blocks away from where my grandmother lived. Um, but in those four blocks, it was a way different four blocks. You know, Philadelphia is like one of the places that you cross a street and the uh, uh, so the socioeconomic change emerges without you even being aware. So like where we came up from, I'm going to say damn near 46th Street, 45th Street, all the way to 60th Street was like one way. But once you cross 60th Street, the families got older. It, I, I think it emerged from like when people first got there and like even in this idea of like you got this wide swath of blackness, but in that wide swath of blackness, you had some folks who were working class, you had some folks that were working middle class, and you had some folks that were middle class. Now they all live within a mile of each other, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a uniqueness that that happens in cities. Yeah. But like it changed. So where my mother moved and you know. I now know shit, everything happened in my life is political. Um, <laughs> my mother got her opportunity to buy her home because my uncle Charles and my pop were working in housing. And at that point in Philadelphia, they were doing what they did in a lot of cities in the early 80s where they would sell you a home for $250 if you proved that you had the money to rehab it. Mm-hmm. So my mother bought her house for $250, rehabbed it, Right. So in 81, she buys the house for 250 and 90. She sells it for 30,000. Right. So but that was because she was able to get a rehab because my uncle and my pop were in house. They were in, in the housing arena. So she was able to get this rehab, get access to the folks who could rehab a house. And then, you know, she owned it. Right. So it's an example of something that I'm going to be honest, you don't see a lot of black folks do. And I, I, I struggle with it sometimes. Like there are times mm-hmm. that I go with this whole, like, let me go buy something and, and, and rehab it. Right. And, and so then get all the equity. Right. Yeah. Cause all the equity belongs to me. Yeah. Um, versus the ease of motion of moving into something that's already fixed. Right. Um, I live next door where I live next door. There's somebody bought a house that was literally down to the studs. They've rehabbed it in the rehab. Now, rehab probably cost a couple hundred thousand dollars, but literally the house that was worth maybe $30,000 now, probably worth $330,000, $340,000, right? So there is something to be said for that equity building, right? Yeah. And it's the equity building because of what you put into it, and then you own it straight out. So then, like I said, the stuff that comes from it is all yours, Right. Um, and in those kind of situations, often you create a whole nother level of wealth for your family. So yeah. anyway, um, so yeah, so we lived four about four, four and a half blocks from my grandmother, totally different situation. Um, my block, we we had my grandmother's block, we didn't have no crack houses. On our block, we didn't have one, but on the block next to us, Wanna Maker Street, there were three. So just to put it in context, 
So it was an entirely different experience, only a half a mile away, right? Which really kind of was really interesting, again, to frame for me that Black people could all be Black and be in very similar situations, but have very different things happening. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that, that, was, that was that experience. So that sameness of all the houses look the same, right? <laughs> um, literally. Uh, the only difference is the, the, the numbers on the house, right? The, did, it, did somebody get the numbers that's like made out of glass or do you have the right. metal numbers, right? Like, but besides that, we are all dealing with essentially the same issue. And then also the density, which then I liked. I don't, you know, to be honest, I wouldn't probably like it today, but the density and possibilities that came from that density, that's what I remember. What about you? Well, um, by then we were living in Willenboro, which is a, a, you know, a suburb, you know, plant, you know what I mean, with uh, houses, yards, and all that curvy streets that, names that are confusing to run into each other and they all start with the same letter you know it's good you know the whole the, the uh the the crafting of space that makes it difficult for people who don't live there regularly to navigate you know what i mean that's all intentional <laughs> structured you know what i mean that those those uh, communities that are built that way um the, the thing i remember most at that time was was still one the transitioning between Willenboro and Trenton, you know, for family, but being, you know, being riding by my bike, there was no, you know I mean, there may be there people, you know, not having the best of times, but there were no crack houses in Willenboro that even none that I knew of. Um, you know, I mean, it was, you know, in, in terms at least of the, the general perception, there was no no sense of a, a lack of safety. You know, what I mean, in terms of if you was like, oh, I'm going outside and I'm running around like I mean besides the various the regular interpersonal stuff of being a kid but there wasn't any like nobody was trying to establish their drug ring and uh, coordinate <laughs> control of a, a neighborhood by, by by force or proxy you know what I'm saying in my in my general um, you know space day to day um, you know but also I guess the thing I always remember about my street specifically though too was the you know, there weren't a lot of kids when we first moved to that street, but as we were there, more kids, more families with kids, you know, moved on our street. And then there was a fair amount of just like families. Like it was like grand like a grandparent, you know what I mean, couple at the corner and like their family, their kids and stuff would come to the house sometimes. And um these other, you know, just generally seeing, you know, regular people, you know, mostly, you know, at least what I perceive to be working class people, um, you know, you know, just living life, like nothing, nothing fancy. You know what I mean? Maybe somebody had, you know, they had, you know, got, we got them persnickety rules that people think make stuff valuable. Like you got to paint numbers on your, at the bottom of your driveway and shit. You know what I mean? So if your number wasn't painted, they send you like a nasty letter. Like, Hey man, you need, you need, you need to touch, touch, touch up the paint on your letter. And it'd be like, all right, <laughs> we're going to get around to that. Um, you know, the, uh, you know, but it also was, in general, even though it wasn't a lot of kids on my street, there were a lot of kids. You know I mean, a lot of, you know, others, we riding bikes, we, you know, going, playing basketball, you know, all the stuff that you think kids should do, you know, going to the woods, you know what I mean? You know, which, you mean, it's just playing in the swamp. Um, I don't know if they yeah, did that in ran, West Philly, but. Ran, no, they only did that down Penrose and down when they built, when they built it on the swamp. 
It took me years to, you know, again, you know, it's, it's difficult for this stuff to be divorced from what you learn, like up Logan and down Penrose when people's houses would start going into the ground, right? <laughs> because it was built on a fucking river, creek or swamp. Right, so people, drinks. <laughs> so people build wealth. Right, people spend their money to live somewhere, and then you find out your crib is built on a swamp. And right. then in Penrose, they had the nerve. People in Penrose had never think they was better than the rest of us, because <laughs> they moved out to a swamp. Man, I, well, you know this right? new, this new territory. No. And, and so it's hard to divorce some of this sense of home from the politics and the structures. That have so much to do with that. In that, I want to ask you a question. Yeah. Um, yeah. For people that don't know that that are listening, Willingboro is, is really kind of similarly important in the black suburban experience. Um, there's arguments on its place as far as being the first black suburb or one of is undoubtedly one of the first. Um, there's some places in uh, Illinois and, and some other places that I think outside of Kansas City and stuff like that, that they say kind of came a little before, but um, at least on the East Coast, mm-hmm. Willingboro was known as like the the, the suburban black town. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Um, which was also always fascinating to me, right? Because I'm from a place where, again, you got multi- class black Philadelphia is a multi-class black city does not get it messed up however um even if black folks are doing okay in your city they still live in the city so this whole idea and even we had Yaden, which was a suburb but it was like a first ring suburb that white folks just left like so it was it felt different it's different than like a city where white folks leave yeah. <laughs> versus Black folks is there. So, you know, for, for my benefit, but also for the benefit of the listeners, it kind of tell me about, about what that felt like uh, to grow up in like a black suburban town. So, I mean, I remember, I guess the place I was starting. So we used to go to Willingboro to see my mom's, uh, one of my mom's, you know, best friends growing up. She was a teacher in Willingboro school, you know, you know, rest peace, peace to my cousin Nikki. Mm-hmm. Um, them and she was a teacher in Willingboro and she lived there so we used to go to her house like to hang out a couple of times like you know on a Saturday uh, afternoon to the evening you know that you know moms would go over there and they would have mom talk and drink wine do their thing and then me and my cousin brother and my other cousin we would you know might play or do whatever you know what I'm saying but it was so so it wasn't totally foreign to me when we moved there it wasn't like oh you left this brick row house and then you moved to this, you know what I'm saying? Um, but it was yeah. the the first thing I remember was sort of the you have a different flow, right? When you go into a like the way a city is like a grid, and every street goes into another. And, you know, trend ain't you know black metropolis like the large. You know, it ain't ten thousand right. square blocks of of city, but Every intersection is something happening. There's a block, there's a corner, there's another building. There's no, you know, there's open space, there's a park or some type of facility or something. You drive to, you know, just to drive to get to Willingboro, you got to go on a highway, you know, 130, 13 through Bucks County, uh, later 295. All right, so you leave fully 
like the city and you drive through this other stuff um, and things that you did, you know, if you're going on 130 back in them days, you know, it's car dealerships and these different shopping centers, right? And and then, you know, later you learn that every time there's a shopping center, you're in proximity to some other suburb, right? right. You don't know that when you're a kid. Your kid is like, oh, look, it's a, that's a cow door, or, or, you know, a Kmart. Look Ooh, at that Kmart. Wonder. You said cow door. Cow <laughs> door. <laughs> you know Man. Jefferson Ball. Ward. Jefferson Ball. Ward. Boscoff's. Uh... Boscoff's. <laughs> Oh, oh, Montgomery, uh, yeah, Montgomery Ward, Jefferson Montgomery Ward. Ward. We had Montgomery yeah. Ward. You had Boscoff's. You had Caldor, which you only seen over in Jersey. See, you know, God, they used to be like exotic. When like, really? oh man, the, I didn't know the New Jersey, <laughs> the New Jersey uh, stores. They used to be so exotic to us, man. Like, what is this? <laughs> like. <laughs> What is the, the two things that was exotic to us? One was them jug handles y'all had. <laughs> oh yeah, you gotta love the Jersey jug handles, man. Yeah, the, the jug My handles. Pennsylvania, if you know, Pennsylvania had jug handles, right? I mean, right, you can turn left, man. <laughs> <laughs> man, and, and then Boscovs. I remember Boscovs. I just in Caldor. And I mean, to say nothing about the name of y'all malls, it's just you know, running meat was running meat, right? Yeah, running meat is in Jersey. Yeah, yeah, but that's yeah. further south. I ain't never really been there. Okay. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Again, those were just that. That's the. Yeah, the, but that is definitely us off the spur of the, the pat line. Subconscious. That's the subconscious of my uh, commercials. <laughs> my time, my <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> that's like, it. run running me like yeah, like all them all those names are burnt into my head. Places that I have never been. Right, I still have never been to any of them places. I never I, been to Deptford Mall either, yeah. <laughs> but I know where it is. But I Deptford Mall, Running Mead, and it's a granite run that was up our that was out our way. But like you, yeah. just like you, yeah, man. So, so I do well, remember then, that. Yeah, yeah. So you get so so you drive by that right, and then you know I've learned more, especially now, um, you know, because this Willingboro is sort of it is. I mean, 15 minutes from being in Northeast Philadelphia. So, like, I mean, like, I mean, 15, 20 minutes, I can get to Franklin Mills. You know what I mean? Actually, Franklin Mills is, oddly enough, almost closer to my house than, like, Cherry Hill Mall. And it is way uh, closer to you than it was to me. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, and I guess now parks, because that's where the casino is over there, that one, at least one of them. That's the one I know. know. Um, Right. So, but growing up, you know, you, it, it was... Because those those stores and those shopping centers, those spaces, and then you would see, you know, like you might see a golf course sign, you might see like other stuff that I knew wasn't Trenton stuff, or at least I didn't know. I mean, I knew where the other, because my mom worked at the state hospital, and I leave my grandfather's house is close to the state hospital, and so it was our house. There's a like Trenton something golf club that's like behind south of the state hospital, so I used to see that sign because you used to drive by it. So like I knew these different things existed. But I don't know nothing about them. When I moved to Willowboro, there's a neighborhood that's got a golf course in it. You know what I'm saying? And like, black people golf there. You know what I'm saying? And to, and, and to a large degree, not myself, but other black people. Um, so we get there, and you know, it's just I don't really know. You know, I was pretty young, so I, I was like, you know, seven, eight years old, so I didn't totally know what to think about the the space. But you know. When we moved there, my understanding is that the city, the township was still, it was still significantly black, but it was not, uh, you know, all the way, you know, it wasn't okay. like over 50%. Oh, really? Nobody, 
At least I don't know. At least that's my understanding. But by the time I when I got to school, second grade, you know, it was it was fifteen, you know, black and brown kids, and then like three, four white kids, and then you know somebody maybe an Asian brother or sister in there or something else. You know what I mean? And all through elementary school, so the, the, the school age kids was getting blacker and blacker and blacker. Gotcha. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, and then. So, so some of the significant things is one, you know, you get, you had, you know, I had lots of black teachers. My first two principals was black. You know what I mean? Um, the, uh, let me see, one, two, three. I think I have three black female teachers. Uh, like I said, first two principals black, some of my counselors. You know, it's just a lot of black people, you know what I'm saying, that are, you know, working folks and, and you know, a fair amount lived in, in Willingboro or lived in the area. Right, so then the other orientation is something I roll, I wrestle with, and I know because people, I, I, I try to understand when other folks who their perception of what a suburb is and what a suburb isn't is somewhat informed with how suburbs function where they're from, and I wonder sometimes being from New Jersey, where and this is the thing I understand about Willingboro more now than I did then, is that you it is a suburb and it is a suburb of Philly, but it's sort of far enough north that it's not too far from being a suburb of something else. <laughs> right. right. So, you know what I mean? So, you know, I, you know, a lot of folks from Philly or had family in Philly or Philly being their center point lived in Willowboro. And I met a lot of kids, more kids from Philly actually than I did when I lived in Trenton, which I guess that's probably just because that's how Trenton is. Um, but then, you know, his kids, you know, the, oh, well, my, my people's in Newark, my people's in Plainfield, my people's in New York, or we moved here from New York, or we moved here from somewhere else in North Jersey. You know what I mean? Into where you moved here from somewhere way out. Um, and, you know, at least I had a sense of that families, that the families that moved themselves there, similar to my mom moving us there, it was a sense of trying to put your kids in a, a place that you hope was a little better situation. Um, you know, we almost didn't live in Willowboro. We were going to be, I guess it was a place in Burlington Township or something, which is not far which I thought was the only place burned to Coat Factory because that's where the first one was. I thought that was the only one that existed for most uh, of my life. But, you know, so, you know, you drive by, you know, so then, you know, you're, I remember riding the bus in, in Trenton, you know what I mean, as a kid. And I remember not ever being able to ride the bus in Willenboro because there really wasn't no, you know, you couldn't really get around uh the town, you can go grocery shopping and shit like that on the bus. And it just it was they got a light rail now, right? Yeah, they ride. got a light rail stop. They got a light it's rail. It's light rail. Now. Yeah, it's light rail. The well it's, it doesn't stop in it stops in uh, it's on the river line, so it's just uh west of the one thirty. Okay. So it goes like goes Camden up to Trenton and it stops like so Beverly is the closest joint. It's like, you know, nine minutes drive, ten minute drive to get over there, but it doesn't like run through Willenboro, ah, but it's okay. Willenboro adjacent, I guess you could gotcha. say. Okay. But that didn't even exist uh in the uh that definitely didn't exist in the 80s, man. It was all you need to get a ride. You you know, we about to, you know, we're going we're going up to see we're going to pops and then we're gonna drive back, you know what I mean? And or you know, it was no hanging out, and then the only other even um once we moved down there, my aunt, like I said, they lived on the other side of town, which wasn't super far, but 
you ain't really want to walk over there if you ain't have to. You know what I mean? It was like, right, <laughs> like right. two, and a half, two and a half, three mile walk. And it wasn't no like straight line. You had to walk out, weaving around. He was like, stand by me and shit. Like boys in the hood and they was walking through LA. <laughs> straight up, <laughs> man. I, I walk, walking through a train line, drinking, you know what I'm saying? Going through a train tracks and going over. Yeah. No, that's you know a, so, so then then the orientation and everything is different because you know, you go like I can't remember the name of the store, but it's a grocery store in Trenton, not far from Mercer County Hospital, my aunt's house that we used to go to sometimes, right? And that was like the supermarket that was in the city, kind of like in Trenton. And then there was the supermarket heading to Ewing, which is the first ring suburb around Trenton. And it was like a super fresh. It was nice. Ah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, I used yeah. to remember, you know, sometimes we just need to grab something. They'd be like, we're going we going over to so-and-so's. And, you know, that store didn't look as nice. They had, like, it just, it looked old. I mean, quite frankly, it looked like it was built, you know, 40 years, 30, 40 years ago. It was big when it was new. But now, by the 80s, when super fresh was around, and they had the, the green awnings and the fucking angled fronts and shit. And, like, ooh, super fresh. I bet you the food's better in there. I don't know. You know what I mean? You, I started to get the sense of the difference in the way even the space is structured. You know what I mean? And that there, there is a perceived or real difference in like the quality of what you're going to get. You know what I mean? At this store versus yeah. that store. I mean, if you got the time and the money, or at least you got the time, you know, go to the nicest store. But if you ain't got the time, you go to the other store. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Or, the, you know, there's some extra shit with going to the other store, too, because it's like, you know, there's other activity going on <laughs> on the well, store. That's, well, the other that's store. No, to yeah. your point, the other store is always complicated, right? Because the other store... So the other store can be two different ways, right? Like, so when we... when Where my grandmother lived and where we still have a house is basically on the border between Philadelphia and Upper Darby, which is in Delaware County, right? So, like, mm-hmm. literally, I live at the end of, the grew up at the end of Philadelphia. And so you could go outside to this largely Irish suburb, right? But you could go out during the day to the shopping district. You couldn't go out at night. Hmm. There were rules that, like, you couldn't go out at night. One of my uncle's best friends went out at night and got beat up in a way that he never was the same. Mm. His his man Frank. Frank never was the same, man. And that's crazy I'm saying that because I ain't thought about that in so long. Again, these are the, 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 the shit that comes with like the things that we accept, right? Um, as normal. So, yeah, you couldn't go at night, but you could go during the day. And so, the supermarkets in the suburb now, here's an interesting postscript to that conversation. Upper Darby is now the most diverse uh, zip code, a set of zip codes in Pennsylvania. Mm. Yes. Wow. From different countries in the world. It has become entirely different from even 25 years ago. Wow. They, have, they have marts from everywhere. And a white person still living up at Darby. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it is, seriously, it is, it is unreal, man. Um, but yeah, so like the other market, 
versus the market in the neighborhood that you implicitly know is not going to have the stuff that you need. Yeah. They're not you know, a big thing for me with my grandma, my mother, she was an early adopter of a uh, ocean spray cranberry juice. <laughs> so <laughs> we was drinking ocean spray in the eighties. Real, I like the ocean spray. Real black bougie types. So so like, not, you live large, you get the ocean spray. Yo, you live you have one a month. When they, when they said the cran raspberry, we tell you something with the cran raspberry mm. dropped. When the cran grape and the cran raspberry dropped, like, hey, you had to drink that strong ass cran cranberry juice no more. <laughs> <laughs> when, that, when that grape and that high fructose corn syrup hit my, ooh, man, let me tell you something. Yeah, the uh, cranberry uh, juice cocktail. Because I didn't know, remember there was a difference between the regular cranberry, there was cranberry and cranberry juice cocktail. Well, that's the lighter. thing. That, the, the cranberry <laughs> juice cocktail is what you got when you went to Pathmark. <laughs> See, when, when you went to Pathmark, you got the cranberry juice cocktail. When you went to them other supermarkets, where well, my mom would go to the other supermarkets, that's when you would go, you could find cranberry juice or cran grape or Pepperidge Farm uh, uh, muffins, right? Or Intamins. I know you remember that term. Yeah, Intamins. I know about the Intamins. You gotta get the Intamins crunch. You gotta get the crunch. Come on, uh, crumb cake. When you get the crumb cake and some ice cream, you know what I mean? Like, you got a whole full-out celebration, right? <laughs> that's when you that. that's when you did something good. My my got some extra paper, right? So, like, <laughs> it's interesting. So then my mother never went to the supermarket or barely went to the supermarket two blocks from us. It was a super fresh. So here's the flip side of what you're saying, right? We never went to the one two blocks from us because it was one of those things. And I, I, now I'm now understanding around 1980s enterprise, not in, yeah, inter, enterprise zone and redevelopment of black neighborhoods, right? History repeats itself. They were putting supermarkets in. Mm. And, and so you would have, you know, supermarket folks who ran supermarket and they would you know, put a supermarket, and then they were running to the challenges of supermarkets. Supermarkets are a high volume, low margin business. Yeah. I, I know yeah. all of this now. I yeah. didn't know this. <laughs> right. Meaning when you steal something, it really hurts. Yeah. Right? Because the whole thing is I sell a lot of this and I have a low margin, but I did enough volume that it makes sense. But you put it in a neighborhood that people are suffering from a whole bunch of other challenges. Yeah. And then you wonder why they take they take it and rob it blind, and then the margins go down. So as the margins go down, they don't clean it as much. It starts to smell like cardboard. You ever been in a supermarket that smell like cardboard? Yeah. And you, and, and you know that the end is near when supermarkets <laughs> smell like cardboard. Like you just know that people are not taking care of it. Like smell like wet cardboard in the back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we live two blocks away from a supermarket that we never went to. Right. And again, you know, just again, this sense of home, this sense of place. Right. This is your building on that. that This is just expanding in my head about all those experiences that you take for granted. You might have a whole bunch of other experiences. You lead a house and all that kind of stuff. But whether you're talking about you walking two, three miles of somebody's house or I don't know if you've watched the John Forte Talib Kweli uh, interview on his podcast. Not yet, but uh, it's uh, not yet, but it's on my uh, 
it's oh my, a, it's, I'm going to listen. It's Yo. interesting for a variety of reasons, but one thing I'll share about it, and for all those who are listening, is interesting that one thing he talks about, Talib Kweli and John Forte, is being young and having to catch public transportation and how that gives you a lens into your city in a way that yeah. you can't replace. But you only really have to do it if your school forces you to because you got to go to like another school outside your neighborhood. So it, it, it's a, yeah, I won't give it away, but it's an interesting conversation. I have to check that out. Um, yeah, that's on my list. But I think the, um, and that's the, because the other thing, you know, so as we get, um, what's the other joint? Pathmark, uh, Acme, ShopRite. You know what I mean? The, basically the thing as I grew up in Willingboro, right? And you get a sense of like, all right, you know, Willingboro is whatever, whatever class lane Willingboro holds, right? And, and you, you got that. And then, then you realize it's like, the other suburbs, they got like a whole nother level. They, mm-hmm. they don't really want you to, they like basically it became like, yeah, y'all go over there <laughs> to mm-hmm. the borough. Don't y'all come over here. Don't, you know, don't move over here to, you know, especially Medford. Medford is the one that sticks out as like, because yeah, we, we just stopped going there that as being the most virulently like stay out of our neighborhood, you know, our our, our little suburb. Um, whether now, that was it or not. Was there a difference between Medford and Medford Lakes? Or what I, think, I think there's some small nuance between them, I, which, as far as we were concerned, they both said Medford in it. And so that meant we don't go over there. We mm. don't travel there. You know what I'm saying? Now, they're not necessarily close, cause, but the, the thing that became a part of sort of the geography of, like, getting, you know, shit you do with your, you know, with your mom and your mom friend or your aunt, whoever she kick it with when you were a kid. You know what I mean? So you go to the Pensacola Mart, you know, which mm. was a close one. You go to Berlin Mart, mm. Columbus Mart. You know what I'm saying? Ooh. You know what I'm saying? The Marts was the, you know what I mean? You know about the Berlin I'm Mart. Gonna, I'm going to tell, tell you about the Berlin Mart in a minute after you go through it. I, I you know what I'm saying? So those, so the Marts, you know, the Marts for, I, I think they're the thing most equivalent to sort of like swap meets on the West Coast or um, you know, street vendors in a city that's dense that has street vendors. You know what I'm saying? The marts are the most equivalent thing to that if you live in a, you know, what I realize now, a suburban and rural space. You know what I'm saying? Because mm. some of them places uh, that are, you know, in between places that we call suburbs, you know, I realize now, like Pemberton, uh, all that shit around Fort Dix, uh, out to Lakewood, and oh, that shit is that shit is rural. <laughs> That ain't no, no damn suburb. It's next to farms. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, because of this, you know, the, the, the structure of social context, especially of black people, especially in the Northeast, if you there, it ain't, it can't be a farm. It can't be rural if you there. So therefore, it's a suburb. <laughs> even though, you know what I'm right. saying? Like, it's a real, like, even though you, you 35 minutes from Willenboro, right? <laughs> right. Not 35 minutes from North Philly. You 35 minutes from Willenboro. And you like, yeah, we live in the suburbs. Suburb of what? Right. You live, in a, you live next, you are the town. <laughs> but, but yeah, but I think that's an interesting point that how can people engage their sense of, where's their sense of location coming out of the South into the North, right? Yeah. In this idea that wherever I'm at, it can only either be the hood or a suburb. Right. 
Like there's only two spaces. <laughs> yeah, those are only two spaces, right? Like the idea once you came out the south that you can't live in a rural space, which is fascinating, mm-hmm. given how many of us were were in that space. Now, so just that I I think that's a really important part to bring up because again I think that's talking about according to what makes sense in your experience what kind of options and opportunities do you have right so for the listeners he he you know again he's opening up all these interesting chambers we probably going to do a part two man because we yeah we are we, we are we didn't we didn't got stuck on uh, our childhood yeah, we didn't even get. <laughs> We ain't got to know our careers. We ain't got to how growing up as high school kids. But like, but I think so for me, to your point about the the marts. So when you grow up in a space where it's dense as all get out, so when when we was coming up, and still is to this day, like I was talking about 69th Street out Upper Darby, that was a clothing and 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 that was a, a basic strip of commerce. Yeah. 60th Street was a street of commerce. 56th Street, uh, 56th Street had some streets, some stuff on it. It wasn't commerce. Um, 52nd Street was the main street of West Philadelphia. Um, Lancaster Avenue, Haverford. Um, as you think about all this density you get, right? So you think about when you need to go find sneakers, you go to 60th Street, if that don't make sense there, you go down 52nd Street. If that don't make sense, you go to Lancaster Avenue, right? You go to these different places um, to find what you need, right? If you're really feeling froggy, which we didn't at that junction in our lives, you go down Woodland Avenue, right? Like, if you're really feeling like you want to have a problem with somebody. Um, so, like, you have all these places. So then my mom went to work in Jersey in the 80s. Um, which was also very instructive to me. Um, I think has influenced a lot of my understanding of place because um, she went to work in Camden. And, you know, uh, you know, now I like to not use hyperbolic terms to describe places. Mm-hmm. But anyone who understands Camden, <laughs> New Jersey in the 80s has some context of what I'm talking about, and maybe we'll get you some links <laughs> to, <laughs> to, to, to situate you, to locate you about my point. Yes, um, man, my mother used to come home so stressed, man, in retrospect. That job was so difficult for her, man. Like, she used to have to go in and snatch people's kids out their houses. Mm-hmm. That was in the throes of the drug epidemic. Yeah. Right? And... When you got to go and the stuff people were seeing in Camden, which was unlike what some most of what you was even seeing in Philadelphia, unless you was down the Badlands or certain places, she used to just come home and just be like, "Yo, I just want to watch TV." And as a kid, I used to be like, "Oh, he's gonna L.A. Law, huh? All right, fuck it. <laughs> okay, you waiting, right. for, you waiting for uh Spencer for hire, huh? Hawk about to come on, huh? Okay, <laughs> like Frank's place about to come on, right? Like." But in now retrospect, yeah, because you was going into the wildest situations possible with your sense of caring for black people and caring for poor people and having to do the unspeakable. Watching people who were doing unmentionable things and having to try to what you thought of is help and care for their children. Yeah. But part of that was then she learned Jersey. Right. 
So like stuff that for most of us, like a good number of the people I graduated high school with now live in Jersey, right? Jersey is like really normal to Philadelphia now. But back then, Jersey wasn't normal to Philadelphia, right? Yeah. Like maybe a little bit of Lawnside, maybe a little bit of Lindenwald, a little bit, Willingboro, right? Because um, black folks wasn't moving to Camden. And you damn sure wasn't moving to Pensacola because only people yeah. moving to Pensacola was from Camden. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> like, and so we used to go to all these really, really unique places so I remember the first time my mom took us to Berlin Mart. And that's why when you said about the rural, it was interesting because my first pair of real Tims that I bought was from the Berlin Mart. And they were the Euro hikers. And you couldn't find the Euro hikers nowhere else, really. But in, the reason you could find the Euro hikers in the Berlin Mart is because they were selling camouflage clothes and hunting gear. Yeah. They were selling guns and shit. <laughs> they were, that, that was part of the uniform. Because it was in a rural place. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And I didn't even, I mean, I remember being there. We would go get some food or they would have all the stalls, right? And you would just yeah. see the different stalls and you go and and then you go. And I remember the shoe place. And the shoe place, again, it wasn't like they had all the Timberlands they had in Philadelphia. Because they didn't have none of the Timberlands they had in Philadelphia. Because they wouldn't sell you the Timberlands they had in Philadelphia. Right. They wasn't wearing that shit. They was wearing No, they was wearing <laughs> camouflage, Jack. And they had to be brown and, and, and gold to match with the outfit. So, um, again, sometimes the most interesting pathways can lead you to have another experience. And the other experience I had was being able to experience like uh, Cinnamonson, New Jersey, like us going to flea markets over there, us going to consignment shops, like all different kind of experiences that New Jersey had. That I mean, the, the main line had it, but that we didn't have, but because of that job. So we had a momentary uh, technical reality pop up. So we're going to take a break and give you a second, I guess, a, a, an ad of sorts. So the Good Brothers uh, is an extension of the work of the Ash Old Head Podcast and Ash Old Head Project. Um, so this is a collaboration with me and my brother, I'm Majestic. And uh, we're going to keep going uh, in the midst of this moment to stay connected and to share you know, the realities of our connection and how we move and see the world as brothers in mind in these days and time. So, uh, if you enjoy and you like this addition to the podcast, send me a message. Send the word to me on any of the platforms at JusticeRyG on Twitter, on Instagram, on whatever. You know, the Facebook page if you, if you ever use it. No one seems to. Uh, but also, I guess I haven't done the greatest job of getting you there. In any event, uh, please share your thoughts. And also, please, please, please head to the Etsy shop. Grab you a T-shirt. Grab you a hoodie. Something. That is how I fund and keep the, uh, the doors open conceptually here in terms of the project and what we're doing. So uh, more to come on, on the concept uh, and the reality of arts and culture. Um, but with that, let's get into the last few minutes of this episode. Peace. 
so um guy could you finish your thoughts on on the berlin mark yeah man uh man um just this idea of the proximity of urban suburban and rural because camden is urban as a motherfucker pensalkin willingboro all these things are suburban and then you got this rural place in context but it's all still within 15 20 minutes depending on traffic of coming out of philadelphia so just the, the varying experiences you have and the sense of place that you get as a, as a young person um was really important yeah so I, I, i'll kind of close our, our, our chat this first chapter on this um with with this and, and centering on the marts because the 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 stark reality that I I especially came to know so Pensacola and Mart being the, the the one we went to the most um, because that was really it was it was close you know what I mean Berlin Mart was like a that was like a oh Saturday we are gonna go to the Berlin Mart like we are gonna make this thirty forty minute ride as 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 I perceived it deeper into the parts of New Jersey that I don't really understand um, to go you know to these stalls, but those places. And then Columbus Mart, which was north of us out like 206, going towards Fort Dix and McGuire Air Force Base. You know what I'm saying? And so there's a lot of different people out there because of the military bases. You know what I mean? So you had, you know, all types of, you know, lots of black people, lots of, you know, uh, you know Puerto Rican, uh, other folks probably spoke Spanish. Uh, Puerto Rican most, most predominantly, at least in my mind at that time. Um, and then, you know, but those counter to sort of the other commercial spaces and then that, that you know, like a, like a mall, the Marts felt more, you know, you had stuff like you could get a Yo Baby Yo t-shirt, you know what I'm saying? You, know, fake, you get you a <laughs> fake tag you were watching, you know what I'm saying? You, get, uh, you could get, you get them, the girls could get them pictures, you know what I'm saying? With the, with the, with the, with the, they get the hair done and they all get the pictures together, you know what I'm saying? You get a tattoo. You could get a slice of pizza and a bag of donuts. You know what I'm saying? There was a whole lot of stuff going on in the Pensacola Park. You know what I mean? But it was it was definitely more of a, you know, you could, I, it was not an unfamiliar place when I went there. You know what I mean? For the first time, I was like, oh, okay. I know what this is. This is like, you know what I'm saying? When you go up on 25th Street and it's like, right. got different people got different stuff. And you know what I mean? Or oh, this is uh, like going these to... Uh, the funny thing is, outside of the gallery, a couple times somewhere in North Philly, we went. I mean, I used to hear about going to 52nd Street to shop, yeah. but I ain't know nobody to take me to 52nd Street to shop. So I was like, man, 52nd Street might as well be Mars, man. I don't know where that is. No, like, that's, that's, <laughs> I have no frame of reference to go to 52nd Street to buy no sneakers. That's fair. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a, it, it seemed like a long way. I'm like, we got pro sneaks right there on 130. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I think it was an Indian couple that owned. You know what I mean? I had, I found plenty of nice sneakers at pro sneaks. Um, and then it was a spot. I always actually remember it was a store in downtown Burlington, like Burlington City, that sold, you know, sneakers. These for a time, I think they went out of business. But I remember them having like a whole rack of Jordans. You know what I'm saying? It was like in the joint. I ain't there wearing no Jordans, but I seen them. Um, yeah, I mean, so sort of the, I think I'd like us to, the close just thing about like the, 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 the realities of your social economic situation, right? Even if you're in a space that is, is, is clearly, you know, we were able to move there because my mother and my grandmother 
bought a home together. You know what I'm saying? Where my mom well, would not have been able to buy a home on a borough by herself. Um, um, so we were a two income family in structure, more or less, even though, you know, it was not like, you know, I mean, a, a parental couple or whatever. Um, but still, you know, our overall threshold was not, and nor was it, it, it was not the, what, whatever sometimes I feel like people think a suburb looks like or experience lives is like for the, you know, you know, I'm sure there are, and I've seen places where people, you know, I've, I've come to learn actually now in life that other people's perception of like, of nice and of house size and everything else, it can be wildly different than what you think is nice or is, you know, appropriate. And then also all the other political and social stuff that goes into why someone wants to live there. <laughs> right. Right. Versus these other places. Um, you know, especially, you know, as it pertains to us, like either trying to stay away from our people, um, you know, and, you know, other, you know, beyond it, the creature conference is like, I'd like to have a grass. I want to have some yard. I want to plant a garden. Like, these are all things that people may be into, but I want to close us on sort of the going and moving through that space sort of shaped my expectations and gave me this this question about like, where do you belong? Cause you know, I would say definitely growing up in Willenboro was a big motivation for me not to want to live in Willenboro. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I'm saying and wanting to go at least go to school or leave to go live in a more city environment where I could get transit, where I could walk to, you know, theoretically walk to some kind of job or whatever, just, you know, cause the other side, and this is some, especially as I got older, when I would go home, you know, it ain't like you could, there's nowhere in Willenboro to go like, yo, I want to go have a drink and talk to people. I mean, there were some places now. Um, and there were some cl- more clandestine places, I guess, growing up that I wouldn't know about because I wasn't old enough. But it was not the like, I'm just going to drive out to so-and-so Avenue and see what's happening. You know what I'm saying? Unless that so-and-so Avenue was, I'm going to drive to Philly. <laughs> right, right. And see what's happening. You know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't a... 15 minutes, 20 minutes from here, I could just pop up and see what's cracking. You know what I mean? It's like, nah, like, especially not 10 minutes, it was no, it was none of that. You know what I mean? It was no where people were, um, you know, interpersonally, people might be doing social things, but there's just a different dynamic when you live in a city. You know what I mean? And it's and it's not the same day to day as living in a, in, a, in a suburb, and especially a suburb that's like a bedroom community like Willenboro. Like, when you get there, you're there. You know what I'm saying? But you can't just like, walk into some other interesting and curious finds. So um so with that, um, you know, I need folks to, to listen into the part two as we're gonna continue this journey, um, talking about place and space, um, and how it shaped us. Um yeah, man, take the best part for yourself. Any 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 word you want to close with? Uh, no, nah, I think you just dropped it. I think we'll continue to continue to go through it, but I just think um what you just really shared about not taking the idea of suburb versus urban for granted. And, and, and number one, don't assume that suburb equals white and urban equals black because we see that that's fundamentally changing. Absolutely, absolutely. So with that, I'm going to say thank you. I'm Jessica for joining me, um, adding on a cipher uh, tonight. And um, we will get this one out soon and we'll we'll, uh, add on again in the near future my man thank you for having me man peace indeed peace thank you for listening to the good brothers 
thank you to my good brother, I am Majestic, for joining me. This is part one of a, uh, our conversation around moving in place and space. So check in, um, not even next week, actually shortly after, for part two should be coming right up behind this one. Thank you to all of you, the listeners. Thank you to Copper Consulting. Thank you to Black Man Green Plan who joined us last week. Hopefully we'll be back soon. Thank you to everyone out there doing their best to take care of themselves and their families and their communities in the midst of what we're working with right now in this COVID situation. Um, stay strong. Stay positive. Use your skills. Use your mind. Always take the best part for yourself. Thank you for listening. Peace.